Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Father, thank you for the privilege to hear your word. We pray that let your word come with such impetus. Let your word come with such force. Let your word come with such power to break every chain, to break every hold of hell over every life here in the name of Jesus Christ. For you said in your word that the entrance of your word brings light, gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Let light penetrate. Let light enter our lives in the name of Jesus. For you said in your word, the light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. Let the light of your word shine in our hearts, shine in our lives, shine in every area of our lives so darkness will be repelled in the name of Jesus. Open the eyes, enlighten the eyes of our understanding, O Lord, that we may behold wondrous things in your word. Teach us your ways. Speak to us. We need an encounter with you through your word. Let there be a revolution in our midst. Let a revolution start through the delivery of your word. By the supply of your spirit in our midst, oh Lord. We are hungry for you. We are desperate for you. We need you more and more and more. Give us your word. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Today's Grace Seminar. And our theme for today's seminar is Yet Not I But Grace. Shall we all say that together? Yes, not I, but grace. For the last time, yet not I, but grace. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, verse 9 and 10. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. Now, this is, the, this is a man who was a very brutal person against the church. He did everything within his ability to stop the church, to get rid of the church. Because in his religious convictions, what the church was doing was against God and against humanity and against morality. He believed that no one who mentions the name of Jesus or no one who participates in what is called church deserves to live. So he was a well-learned man. Bible says that when it comes to Judaism, he was top, the, the creme de la creme of the Pharisees. He was top of them. He knew what, and he was, Bible said, he was zealous 
In Philippians chapter 3, from verse 1 or from verse 3 downwards, let's look at his record. We come back before we get to our text. Look at his record. Philippians is not part of my text, but I think it's good for someone to know. Philippians said, for, for we are the circumcision who worship God. No, no, all right, go to the next verse. Go to Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I, I more so. Because real Jew. Why is he saying that? Go to the next. Uh, se- oh, no, yeah. Verse, uh, verse, verse, verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Be- Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. This is, that's his resume. A, he said, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. A Hebrew. Go to the next verse. See, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. That's the Paul you're talking about. So, if you're talking about fighting the church, he was, he was persecuting the church real good. He, he was doing well. He was, he was very successful. He was actually breaking through, Yes. He has serious breakthrough when it comes to his assignment as a Jew, as he expected. Yeah. But he did all these things. All right, let me show you something again. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, I think so, somewhere there, he was talking about, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorant. So then, watch this. What he was talking about, he said concerning the righteousness that comes by the law, he was blameless, and yet ignorant. No, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. He was ignorant. He thought he knew, but he didn't know. He was a top lawyer. He he attended the best schools. He was trained by Gamaliel. The best of the best. So the guy was so confident, and he was using his knowledge and confidence in the flesh. Because it's there, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 uh, and verse 4. He was talking about if I should, according to the flesh, I was a real Jew. Philippians 3, 3 uh, says that word. Um, Though I might have confidence where in the flesh, when it comes to the flesh, if anyone should think he has confidence in the flesh, I, I'm also. If you are talking about the things that are attainment, physical attainments, physical achievements, education, he said, none of them was my class. I was top. I was top. Persecuting the church. Killing people because of what I had learned and what I was confident in. A murderer. And he went, Bible says that <coughs> Bible says that Paul, Saul, was breeding, breeding threats to the church. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Paul was breathing threats to the church. Saul still breathing threats. Threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went to the high priest and demanded authority. He asked uh, letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus. So if he might find any, any who were of the way. That's the way, capital. Christians. We are of the way. Say the way. Say the way. If I find any Christian whether men or women, he might bring them bound. He would tie them and bring them to Jerusalem. That's how dangerous the guy was. The high priest, and he had the authorities. He was breathing, breathing threats and murder to the church. And he was doing it with, with ease. 
with ease. And he had the best cars in town, the best ride. He was riding on a horse. And Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that at midday, he was riding to Damascus because he had now had the letters. He was going to Damascus. See his job? You see his job? So is there anything wrong? If some of us decide that we are also go after souls, God, this man left everything. He was going after Christians to kill them. <laughs> Hallelujah. And people are so hungry. What we are doing in some of our churches is very disturbing. Because we are reducing this whole church thing to come and get, come and get, come and get. You need a husband, come and get. Paul went for letters going to Damascus to to make sure that anyone he catches the disciples. He was breathing threats and murder to the disciples of Jesus Christ. On his way going, Bible says that a light shone. He fell from his horse, fell on the ground, and then he heard the voice saying that, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you? He didn't know he was dealing with a personality. He thought he was doing, dealing with some weak people who couldn't who won't fight back, who won't talk. That's the Christians. Christians don't easily fight back. Who won't fight back? Who won't be aggressive? So he thought he has gotten cheap meat. Only on his way, he was riding one of the best, strongest horses. He fell from the horse when the light shone on him. And Bible says that it was at midday, he saw a light which was brighter than the sun. Some power past power. Shout hallelujah. And he fell, uh, he fell to the ground. And then he said, who are you? Said, Why do you persecute me so? And he says that it is hard for you to kick against the goats or the pricks. Goats is like small, small spiky stuff they use to uh, pr- protect or prevent the horse from going to wrong directions when the, the, our animals are plowing. Or sometimes you, you know what is similar to some of the gates when you have gates and you have those kind of things, like spikes, but this one is wooden. So how can you be kicking against those spikes? He said, it is hard to kick you. The impression will be on you, not the gate. So people who persecute church and talk against church and make themselves agents of the devil to fight against church, they, will, they are fighting against their own destiny. Because Jesus said, it is hard to kick against the goods. <laughs> anyway, and he said, Master, what do you want me to do? Now you're asking what, you want, what, what they want you to do. And so he had an impeccable record as a persecutor of the church. Watch this. And so, guess what? Um, if you want to start a business, all right, in, let's say, Kensington or anywhere, you have a franchise, you want to start something there, would you call the one who doesn't believe in what you are doing has always fought against it to go and start it for you? You are better off choosing someone who doesn't even understand the business and training the person. And so if God wanted to entrust the growth of the church to someone, it shouldn't be in the hands of a persecutor. At least, if it had to do with human beings, we would say, welcome in. Okay, you are welcome, but we won't give you some post. Because of your record, your credit history is so bad, we won't give you some post. But Paul said that when... He was talking about Jesus Christ's resurrection. He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and he appeared to uh, certain, a lot of other people. The Bible says that he appeared to the 12, and then he, he appeared to about 500 more in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verse, verse 4, verse 5. There, God, uh, Paul began to, to mention 
the people Jesus Christ in his resurrection before his ascension, before he appeared to people. So he appeared to Peter and then he appeared to the 12, all right? He appeared to the 12 and then um, after that he was seen by over 500, 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to this place. They are still alive, but some had fallen asleep, some are dead. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also. (laughs) He said, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. When Jesus was alive, when he was on earth, Paul didn't see him. Paul didn't see him. Now, it's believed that for, for you to be an apostle, an apostle, those times, to, to be the immediate apostles of the church, Bible says that the church, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, the church is built on the foundation of the prof, apostles and prophets. Right? Those apostles, not, not, just, not just the 12. Well, sometimes when we talk about, there are various categories of apostles. Okay? So in these modern days, when someone says I'm an apostle, it's not the same as one of the 12. Because from the text we read, you can clearly see that all from what you're on, on the screen, the foundation of apostles. The church is not built on the foundation. The apostles talking about where are the apostles who saw Christ, they walk with Christ. So in First John chapter 1, he said, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have handled, that's we pass on to you, Christ. All right. So they actually had a, the first hand relationship with Christ, starting with the 12. Judas fell out and he was replaced by Matthias because they, they needed to be 12. And so, uh, anyway, let's leave that. So, so then the other apostolic team. Now, all these guys in the early church, they saw Christ physically. But Paul, you two, where did you come from? Suddenly, he is an, you know, he is an apostle. His apostolicity is unimpeachable. I mean, it's, it's an authentic apostolicity. He was an actual apostle. Because people may say, but you, you were not there when Jesus was around. Who are you? And so he said that he appeared to all these people and last of all, to me also, as though I was born out of season. Because he, he went... Now, none of us have seen Jesus physically. How many of us have seen Peter before? Peter in the Bible. No. The time you were born is different from Peter's time. So Paul is saying, as though I was born in a different time from the rest. Even though I was born around the same season, he was seen by me as though I was born out of season because I saw him after his ascension as the risen Lord. Because he was persecuting them after his ascension. That is why Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and he said, So, so, why persecutest thou me? So back to the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, what verse? All right, so he said that for I am the least of, did you see that? It was, was he, is he an apostle? Yes. Uh, he said, for I'm the least of the apostles. All right, he, was, he said, I'm the least. When you read the Amplify, it throws a little bit more, on, it's like when it comes to the, said, for I'm the least worthy of, of the apostles who am not fit or deserving to be called an apostle. Right. So he said, for I'm the least of the apostles. When you are talking about apostles, as for him, it's like, where did you come from? Where did you come from? And you're also an apostle. Well, I, I am, sorry. <laughs> so I mean, it's like when you watch um, some of these big, big events in Rome by the bishops, or even in our country, 
And when the queen is going to parliament and the lords are with him, and can you imagine, they are all dressed in this serious regalia. All right. And then you are also a lord, but your regalia, they all wear, let's say, red with this, with a wig. And your wig is something small on your forehead. And your red is not red, it's blue. And you are in their midst. It's like, no, when we, when we were, because you, you passed at the wrong time. Your, when you finish your exam, the red is finished. So your season was different. But nevertheless, you are actually one of them. <laughs> so when you look at all the apostles, you see Paul inside, he, amongst them, he kind of stands out because of his bad record. He stood out. So he says that, for I am the least of them. Not that his, his less, his apostleship was as authentic and credible as any apostle you can think of. Just that his timing and his record made it look like he shouldn't have been an apostle. That is why he was talking about his past. He used to persecute the church. He was doing all that. But Bible says that he now was seen by, Jesus was seen by him as of one who was born out of due season. And watch this. And he says that word. And verse I'm the least of the apostles. Now, I want to show you something. Say, I am. I am. Verse 9. He said, for I am. Say, I am. I am. See, that first I am what he is. All right. He said, the least of the apostles. That means he's an apostle. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. From the text, it means that he's an apostle. But just that he's the least. The least, not credibility or value or power. But as I explained to you, his background and it didn't look like that. This guy can also be apostle by his aim. All right. So for um, who, who am not worthy to be called an apostle? That means he was called an apostle. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. He said, I am not worthy to be called an apostle. That means I'm called apostle, but even though I'm not worthy, I'm called apostle. Okay. There are times, there are times you sit down with a couple and uh, maybe a husband who is misbehaving and he doesn't live like a husband. You are wondering, you, you are not worthy to be called a husband. How can you be beating your wife, insulting her and kicking her and the children cry, you don't mind anybody, leave house, go and stay in somewhere. And if two months, no one knows where you are. You are not worthy to be called a husband. Because you are not behaving like a husband. So Paul said that, I am, the, I am an apostle, and I was not worthy to be called an apostle. Why? He told us why he wasn't worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Did you see that? Because of my, my records. Can I tell you something? There's nothing you can do about your history. The earlier you, you discover that and work out of that and run towards the future, the better. Because some of us, you see, life is such that life will not spare you of your past. Hmm? Especially when people know about it. Hmm, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't erase it from their memory. And you can't kill them. And you can't, you can't seal their lips. You don't know who they will talk to. They can choose, especially when they fall out with you. They can tell a whole, and they will tell their version, not your version. How many of us have got some history? Yeah. We all got uh, history. <laughs> they, they, they will say the revised standard version of the history. It, to, to make them look credible, to, to make them look better, to make their story against you look bad. Enough. All right. So, so he said that I have this record 
All right, and because of my record, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. Some of us, if we look at your record, you are not worthy to be seated here. That's true. You are not worthy to be called a church leader. Say records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some are here, they used to do drugs. Yeah. Some are here, they've done. In fact, there are some here who have insulted the church and insulted, and today you are here. (laughs) That, 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 we are going somewhere now. You are not worthy. Am I talking to someone who knows that you kind of are not worthy one way or the other? You're not worthy. The very moment you think you have passed everything, you've done everything, you are the best. You've ticked all the boxes. That means you don't really need this thing we are talking about called grace. I like the way the best thing starts. Someone say, but. He said, I am not worthy to be called an apostle. Hey, hey, before you, you take that and run with it, remember there is a but. <laughs> I am not worthy to be called an apostle. But I am not worth it. Who was talking? What was he? An apostle. And he stands before people. He tells them, listen to me. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. So before you say, he said, oh yeah, I thought as much. You know what, well, let's get him out of here. And he said, hey, but. Someone may be sitting beside you or around you who you know you in your estimation is not worthy to be sitting here and say hallelujah. But before you continue thinking they should be thrown out back. Hold your peace. <laughs> Someone say bad. Hold your peace. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't move yet. Don't move yet. Some people were waiting with their yellow cards. Waiting to... And they find out that this is what you have in your past. They are ready to pull it out. Because, you see, hey, listen to what I'm coming to say. This is a good one. God is not ashamed of your past. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. It's human beings who are troubled by your past. So it's their own cup of tea. Leave them alone. Let them keep troubling and get connected to, with God. And that uh, 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 God has an answer to your past problem. Yeah. When you have pains in any part of your body, what would you do? Not normally. If you have some pains in your legs or maybe some just b- basic pain, painkillers. So let's say paracetamol. You just, you know, just to deal with the pain. When you are hungry, what do you do? When you are sleepy, what do you do? Go to bed. It will so, so if you are driving and you are so tired, it's normally said that tiredness can kill. So what you do? Just park or find somewhere and rest and continue. Because the rest is a remedy for that tiredness. The paracetamol is a remedy to a certain extent, to a certain degree, for the pain. The water is a remedy to the thirst. The food is a remedy to the hunger. In the same way, God has a remedy to your bad past. Mm. 
tell someone, before you, you, before you crucify me, hold on, there's a remedy to my past. There's a remedy to your past. There is an answer to your past. God has... I don't understand why... It's, you know, if it was in our days, we would have maybe, maybe taken it to court of appeal. Rehab! What do you say? Straight to court about that. Because Rehab shouldn't have been from the street. And if it was just from the street, it would have been kind of acceptable. But she was... From under the street. <laughs> and Rahab comes in. Guess what? Guess what? This is what? She comes in. Look at the job she was doing. Her job. She wasn't just one of them. She was the master. She was running the business. She has done it so long that now she's an expert. She was training others. <laughs> CEO of a whole house. No, before you go on saying that, no, but what, you, what evidence do you have that is The house was, she was in charge. That's why she could hide the guys. She was in charge of the whole house. Now watch this. Then she comes in after, okay, we didn't, we didn't kill you, we spared you. Then she becomes part of the Jews guys. All right, stay at the back. She comes so in and married one of the Jews to become David's, David's grand, great-grandmother. And Jesus is great, great, great. Why Jesus? Why this one? Jesus, the son of God. We don't sin. Why this woman? Why this woman? We have to take it to court. No, what? God said that, you see, you see, before Jesus even died, God has been dealing with people, so long as Jesus' history is concerned, by grace. By grace. <laughs> Rahab shouldn't have been in. Ruth shouldn't have been in because she was a foreigner. So a foreigner came into Israel and became the great God. God saw her. God said, this is the one I like. In spite of your, the place of your birth, in spite of your genealogy or ancestry, I want to change your destiny and make you part of Jesus'. Hallelujah. Amen. Anyway, so we have to be careful the way we deal with people based on what we know about their past. Because if you, if you deal with them based on what you know about their past and God has already gotten invo- involved, you may end up suffering. Because God is no respecter of persons. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's go back to Paul. So Paul said, I am not worthy to be called apostle because I persecuted the church. But... By his grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Shout yes. Shout yes. Grace will make you what your past will deny you from. Grace will make you what people think you couldn't be. Grace will make of you what nobody thought you would become. Shout I am what I am. Some can look at you and say, as for you, I don't think you'll ever be married. 
Let them give you some time because grace is doing a work. Ah, grace is doing a work on you. They look at you and they say, I saw you. I don't think you get any good job. Let them give you some time because grace is working on your life. Grace is working on you. Shout grace. He said, let's go back to the text. I am. Say I am. That's a very interesting statement. I am what I am. Two I ams. The first one is just talking about me as you see me with my history and everything. The second one, the what I am, is talking about what I become. So if you don't take care, you may be dealing with me based on the first I am. And miss out on what I am what I am because grace made me so. Grace made me so. Let me take you through some scriptures and show you something. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and verse 8, is someone learning something at all? Yes. Ephesians, if you know grace is making you, shout hallelujah. Charis means grace. Yes. This house is called Graceland. We believe that anybody at all can become somebody. Yes. We believe it. Anybody at all can become the wealthiest man on earth here, from here. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, me to see this can. It's possible. It's possible. Age is not a problem. It's the grace. What sort of grace you have contacted? Ephesians chapter 3, verse what? Verse 7. I love to be in your presence, Lord. Ephesians 3, verse 7 says that. Of which I became, okay, let me tell you what it says that the Gentiles, okay, the fellow heirs of the, right. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. How did he become a minister? By the grace. All right. By the grace. Listen, you can't do anything for God by yourself. That's religion. You can't do anything for God by yourself. It's God who must work in you. Mm. Right. Now, so, and then verse 8 says, look at verse 8, that's interesting. To me, who am less than the least of the saints. Now, this is why I didn't even say apostles, the saints, the Christians. I'm less than the least of them. You see how God, you see, Paul had this understanding of who he was. The first I am. Where he's coming from. He said, if you're talking about Christians, I'm the least. I'm less than the least of the Christians. All right? It says that to me, who am less than the least of the Christians, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So grace is what makes you be able to do anything for God. Not training. <laughs> Not your skill. Did you hear that? Not your skill. Not your human determination and efforts. We can see clearly from the text. It says that to me, who am less than a lizard, this grace was given that. So anytime, oh, anytime grace is given to you, it's not just to decorate you. When grace is giving you that, you may do something. And that's where we are going now. 
I see someone receiving grace. I said, I see someone receiving grace. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And then we will look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Then we can move on from there. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says that, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with uh, to each one a measure of faith. All right. So the first statement said, For I say, through the grace given to me, Paul was aware that what he was able to do was a function of grace. We are so quick to conclude and, and slap reasons on things that seem to be working in the kingdom. We slap human reasons. It's a, it's a reflection of acute carnality. We are so quick to suddenly... God is using him, he's preaching. Or God is using him, he's raising the dead. God is using him, and he's saying it's because, you know, the, the kind of dead he was raising, he wasn't fully dead. <laughs> it was just coma, coma. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of, you'll be surprised that there are Christians. Someone can will give a testimony that I believe God and and stood on his word, and because of that, ABC has happened. And a Christian will sit somewhere, sometimes in the pews, and explaining it away. It's because, just because, just because. Uh, or someone is saying that I've got a fantastic job with the UN, and they are, they, are, they, are, they are paying me double or triple the salary I deserve. And someone is sitting there, oh, he says, Grace, it's because you are just intelligent. No, it's not that. No. I don't know other intelligent people. Yeah. Someone is sharing a testimony. My daughter has had a scholarship. Because I believe God favored her, and you are saying it's because she's intelligent. See, I discovered, Pastor Wu, it's very easy to be intelligent. (laughs) Some of you get it. There are intelligent people, so many, everywhere. Go to a school, you will see one person, two people, every class, there are some about, if the class is 30 people, there are about 10 people who are very intelligent. So if the school is made up of uh, 10 classes, and you have 100 intelligent people in the school. How many people can be a prime minister at a time? And if there are, there are 20 schools within a town or within a city, you can imagine, and every one of them have 10 intelligent people, you are talking about 2,000 intelligent people within the city. And if there are 20 cities in the nation, then you see that number keep increasing. So don't just be... Don't just be Jumping on the bandwagon of intelligence. I went to secondary school. I went to primary school. I've been to schools. And I know people who are intelligent who are nothing now. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, don't you know people like yeah. that? Yeah. Some are even dead already. So intelligence is good. But there's something better. Yes. Paul was intelligent. And yes, he was messing up. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, and I am able to do this ministry by the grace of God. Listen, if you see God doing anything with any Christian, anybody, remember, be very quick to slap the results or the reason on grace. Slap grace on that reason. It's because of grace. That's where we are going. And so Paul said in a few places how I am what I am by the grace of God. We have seen in First Corinthians chapter three, chapter three, verse ten. He says that I am a wise master builder. Okay, according to the grace that has, according to the grace of God which was given to me. Grace is given. God is the one who gives grace. Isn't that a good news? God is the one who gives grace. Because if human beings were the ones who give grace, hey. Someone say, hey. hey. 
Thanks be to God that he's the one who gives grace. Because God is not eyeing your history. He's eyeing your future. He's not eyeing your past. He's eyeing your destiny. And so he gives grace based on where he knows you are supposed to be going. He gives you grace based on what he's he's intending to do with your life. He gives you grace based on how he has packaged your destiny. And I believe that someone is receiving grace in this building as you watch me. Someone is receiving grace right now. Grace comes to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Share grace. But let's look, go back to the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Very interesting point. He said, I am what I am, but I am what I am by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And, mm, and his grace, shall we all read that part together? Let's go. Are you ready? Have you seen it? Yes. All right. Second line on the screen. Have you seen it? Yes. Let's all read it out together. And his grace towards me was not in vain. One more time, one more time. And his grace towards me was not, for the last time, louder. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Then you see there's a bat there again. Let's continue. But I labored more abundantly than they all. I thought you said grace. When grace comes, you can make it in vain. I, I said something, something. There is something better than intelligence, which is what? Grace. grace. But you can have grace on your life, and someone with raw intelligence may go further than you because you are not making the grace work. You are making the grace in vain. How can grace be in vain? How do you make grace in vain? I won't give you any list of theological points or ecclesiastical points. I will just give you a biblical reason right in the text. <laughs> Why did he say that grace was not in vain in his life? He did what? I can't hear you. Some people don't want to say it. You see now. What did he do? Grace plus labor becomes what? I am. <laughs> you get what I am. When you add grace and when you add labor to grace. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1, it talks about how grace can be in vain. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1, it says that we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Brothers and sisters, I stand here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and plead with you. Don't receive, what well, as I'm preaching, grace is coming on you. Don't receive it in vain. Don't receive it in vain. Don't receive it. Michael, that's what a lot of people have been doing in churches. They go and hear great messages and they sit down. Good word, good word, good word. And they don't do nothing. They don't do anything with it. You are receiving the grace of God in vain because grace comes through the word. Bible says that the word of his grace, Acts chapter 20 verse 32, it says that I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. So as you hear the word, you become exposed to grace. Grace comes your way. But you can receive grace in vain. Watch this. We are in a season of revival. Or great awakening. But guess what? There's grace for that. But some people will make their grace in vain because they are lazy. I'm 
tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm tired, every little thing, I'm tired. As for me, you know, I don't have to put stress on myself because the doctors say I have to be careful everything I do. So I don't, I, I'm very careful, you know. That's why I don't like fasting because, yes, yes, I am careful about everything I do. Paul labored. I was trying to search for the Greek word translated labored. And he just didn't labor. He labored more about than them all. Others. That's why his results were different from the others. So better, better results was, was due to hard work. Hard work. It doesn't matter how much grace you have. If after the teacher teaches, you don't go and study, you will fail seriously. <laughs> I mean by heart. <laughs> you, will, you will fail without control. And you'll be asking why. There are people, watch this. I heard Bishop Edebo say this and I love it and it's so true. There are people who are giving. They are good givers. But they are not hard workers. And so they don't see the fruits of their giving. And they say the thing is not working. It's not the thing. It's your laziness. I was listening to Bishop Oyedipo this afternoon. He was talking about how <clears throat> some students of his university asked him, sometimes we take coffee to stay awake so, so we can study throughout the night and other things. What do you take? To he said, I don't take, I take responsibility. <laughs> and he said, New York Times interviewed him and asked him, how is it that their, their, their ministry is so wealthy? Is it because they are just taking money from people? Or what are they doing? He said, no. We teach people responsibility. In our ministry, we teach people responsibility. So we don't make them depend on us. We make them work with the grace. And they see the results. They see the results. Because some of us are young. But the, our level of input is so low. Like a someone who is on retirement. They have been putting in more than you. Meanwhile, Bible says it's better for the young, for the youth to bear, a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 27. It is better for a man to bear, when you are younger you can do more. It is good for a man to bear the yoke, when? In his youth. Why are you waiting till you are old before you go and start doing your masters? But it would have been better if you did it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Why, why, okay, why am I? Because physically, the, the strength, the psychological strength, the psychological and mental agility you need to be able to embark on that program may be very difficult. Psychologically, it can discourage you. It takes a high level of discipline and focus to be able to go through some things. However, how many of you have discovered that when you cross some age, certain age, you cross, say, 40 doing certain levels of studies uh, it comes with a lot of demands. Do you know why? Because when the older you get, you, you, you get, the more things you think about. Yeah. Yeah. So many things. When you are living with your parents, you don't think about the rent. Mom is, 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 is your job. Dad is your job. So at least, you have only a few things to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Labor. Labor. When? Now. Because there is grace on your life. Sister, there is grace on your life. If you are a minister listening to me, stop sleeping. Get up. Do something. Read books. Success in life is not by chance. It's not a gift. Someone must work hard for it. So, what Paul is saying, I am what I am by the grace of God. Then he said, but when you read King James, put the King James, original King James, let's see how I put it. Verse, verse 10 again, King James. He says that, I am, by, the, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all. Or than they all. So, he said, I labored. I'm talking about labor. I'm talking about labor. I'm talking about labor. Work hard. Work hard. This thing, listen, this season, there's grace for us to win souls. And you see, if, the problem is that some of us, if you don't take care, there's always a reason why you don't have to do what you are, you are supposed to do. There will always be a reason. How many of you have noticed that? There will always be a reason why. You see, anytime you have a reason for failure, you are a disgrace to your destiny. Failure shouldn't have any reason. I failed because I couldn't do it because I couldn't do it. Don't use the because and say I couldn't do it, but I will do it now. Some people can come and pray. They won't come because they are waiting for the grace to chase them in the house, lift them up, and the grace will be doing everything for them. When grace comes, you have to work with it. You have to work with it. I don't want anyone to come and tell me, oh, Pastor, you know, as for life, sometimes you need to just take it easy and rest and rest and rest and rest and rest and rest. How can you rest when things are not the way they should be? Right. How can you rest? How can you relax? How can you relax when, when, when the creditors, bailiffs, they are coming? They're coming. And some of us, your marital destiny, your, your career, your relationship, your future, and your health is under satanic attack. Or they are not going the way things should. But guess what? I'm telling you, there is grace to change the state. There is grace to change the condition. There is grace to stay in your state. There is grace for someone to change the situation. But someone needs to take responsibility. Rise up and labor. Shall labor. We must labor. That's why carries we are laboring. Amen. A stitch in time saves nine. Strike while the iron is hot. Hallelujah! Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. Let me show you something quickly. Oh my God! Second Corinthians chapter eleven. You need to see when we talk about labor. Chapter eleven, verse twenty-two. When Paul said he labored, what did he do? But the, the Greek word translated labor, labored, is Kopio. It's K-O-P-I-A-O. And when he said, I labor, do you know what it means? Let me tell you. It means that, watch, watch this. This is a serious one. To grow weary, tired, exhausted with trials, burdens, and grief. Grow weary, exhausted, tired with trials. When Paul said, I labored more. So, when he said, I am what I am, by the grace of God, nevertheless, I work. He's trying to tell us how much he was pushing himself. He was pushing himself. He was pushing himself. Weary, growing weary. 
through trials, through affliction, through grief, growing weary and tired. So when he said labor, I'm my, this is what I come under. When he said I labored more abundantly, I really was going through a lot. Most of us, our training is our problem. We are not trained to be tough. So we like rest too quickly. We're not trained to be tough. But life is war. And I want to stand on this thing and say it, this one. Listen to me, please. Life eh, is the survival of the fittest. I'm telling you. You have to be fit, agile. And ragged, other than that, life will knock you out, and you'll be blaming other people for your knockout. <laughs> yeah. Every time it's my uncle, it's my father, my mother. At, you, look, I look at how old you are. You are still blaming your father, your father, the way he raised you up. You are still blaming your mother. Make use of grace. Make you, and you are in a place like Caris, listening to this grace message. Make use of grace and don't blame anybody. How your life turns out to be, you are responsible. Obama could have been something because his father was just like that. He was having children everywhere, spread everywhere like that. There are people who, who were in, more, in a worse situation than you and have made far more with their lives. His mom said, Anna, it's because as soon as you have a because, uh, you have, you have a, that's the problem. The problem is not your inability. Your pro- the problem is that because the re- excuses we give for our failures, someone is rising up from today. Because graces are really available for you. Someone is rising up for today. Someone is rising up from today. Someone is rising higher from today. Shout yes! Shout yes! Quick, quick, quick. Let's look at this. Uh, uh, what did I say? Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. This is serious. Paul was comparing himself with these guys. He didn't like both. But he said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So, I, I, uh, so am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of the gospel? I speak as a fool. Because he was being pushed. Because people are just trying to take advantage of it. He said, these people you are talking about, they are not better than me. That's what he said. Are they Hebrews? Are they Israelites? Are they children of Abraham? Are they ministers of the gospel? I am more. Then he began, watch this. He began to list his labors. Why he said he's more a minister. Did you see that? Look, it's serious. He said, watch it. Why did he say he's more a minister? That one, Hebrew, Israelite, that's your history. Your, your, it's given to you naturally. It comes. Uh, do, you, do you choose your, 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 your parents? You don't choose your parents. You don't choose. How many of us had an involvement in where we were born? <laughs> you don't have any involvement in that. All right. But then the things you have involvement in is your delivery in life. What you make out of your life, it's your responsibility. So let's see what Paul said. He said, are they ministered? I am ministers. I am more. Then he began to talk about why. See the, the colon there? He's beginning to break down why he said he's more. It, then it goes on. Have you seen? This is serious. Are you ready for this? In labors more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That is 39. 
All right. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? 40 minus 1. So you do the calculation for yourself. Minus, verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I, you, have, you have made a big court case out of it and said, God, I'm not doing this thing again. Once, say, three times I was, I was, uh, I was beaten. Once I was stoned. I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Do you know what that means? Deep waters. Doesn't know where it's going to. A night and a day. Didn't know where life was going to turn out. And this was someone who was doing the work of God. No, not before he became a Christian. Before he became a Christian, he was having it rosy. Yeah. Hey, it was cool. He was riding the best of horses. <laughs> going to the high priest. Getting letters. He had, the, he had access to power, corridors of power. Yeah. Paul had it. But when he became a Christian, when he decided to obey God, when he decided to seek God for revival, when he decided to go out for outreach, he was exposed to these things. That is the labor he was laboring by the grace of God. Shout yes! Yeah. He said, I spent... A night and a day in the deep. Verse 26. In journeys often, how many times do you travel? And you have a car. <laughs> or a bus pass. Yeah. What are the scars? Paul said, let no one trouble me. For I have in my body the marks of Christ. We love our skin so much. British citizens. We, we love our kids. Modern day Christians all over the world. It's not only in Britain, you know. It's not only in Britain. It's everywhere in Africa. Apart from places where there's persecution. I'm talking about radical faith, forefront persecution. We love our skin. Someone comes to church during worship. Then you pull out a mirror in your bag and looking at your makeup. Worship. You love yourself. That's that beautiful. <laughs> Worship. Say in church, word of God is being taught, the word of grace is being taught, and you are sending text messages. Hey, baby. Hey, buddy. And what's up? <laughs> we, 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 are, we are so self centered in our generation. That we can't put ourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar of God. And there's grace for that. That's the grace that came for that. There's grace. So he said, watch this. You cannot suffer for Christ in vain. No, you don't. No, you don't. He, said, he says that for your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 57. He said, your labor will not be in vain. Verse 58 rather. Your labor will not be in vain in the Lord. Your labor. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be step and move, always abandon the work of the Lord, knowing that you're what? Labor. See, do you remember I said I labored more abundantly? Labor. Your copy will not be in vain in the Lord, as long as it's in the Lord. If it's in your job, that one, God hasn't got anything to do with your job. But if you are doing it for the Lord, at least um, I want to challenge some believers to take advantage of the grace of God to invest their wisdom, their skill, their strength, and their labor in God's work. It is not a hobby. It's work. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. I must, it's business. 
Take it serious. Don't take it like hobby. When I can, oh, in modern day sociologically, it has been classified like charity. So, oh yeah, charity just when you're at will. Have you seen anyone doing any charity work, charitable work, like just cozily and, and then it's just breaking through with that? No. You don't break through with anything. You do it like a hobby. Mm, somebody didn't get it. Anything that's your hobby can't take you far. If hobby is for relaxation. What is your hobby? If you are an athlete, okay, and you are a professional athlete, you when you go train like we say both, you go training, others will be going with you. If they are hobby, they'll be tired, they will sit down. But you you can't sit down. So hobby, when you are doing it with, uh, uh, as a hobby, it's leisure. You just uh, you do what you can. But it, how many of us do our job like a hobby? You can't say I'll do what I can. You, you have to produce. That is how we should take this, this grace, this grace a- a- assignment. Paul said, I labored more abundantly. And your labor in the Lord will not be in vain. Anything you labor in the Lord will not be in vain. Let's finish this text. Let me show you something. Woo! Verse 26 again. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. It says that in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things. What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things that concern my infirmity. If there's anything we can boast of, it's what you have suffered for Christ that we should be able to boast of. What you suffered for Christ. That's why he said that the grace, I labored more abundant. But listen, I, uh, let, me, let me put this way. Some of us are here because, and you know you've done well for being here. At least, at least. Because some people, they can't do it. Friday night, huh, I'm going to nightclub. I'm going to party. And I'm coming to church. In church. I went to some of us are able to boast that positive, godly boast about what we have done for Christ. But he said, yet, not I. That's where I'm going. Yet, all these things that have, you've done, the way you are coming to church, the way you are singing, the way you are able to win souls, you have to remember that it's not you. It's not you. Even though you put in the labor, he says that your ability, well, put, put it on the screen, let's finish it. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. For by the grace of God, I am what I am, yet not I. For by the first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, it's, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Watch this. Yet not I, but grace. Who labored more abundantly? Who is the I? Paul. How did he call himself in the text? I. So who labored more abundantly? I. Who labored more abundantly? I. Who does the labor? I. Who, who, who is sitting here in church? I. It's you. 
You are here. He said, I labored. He said, I labored more abundantly than that. And then he said, yet, that I you see is not me. So the I labored, is not said, yeah, don't remove the I labored and put grace labored. There is, is it possible the reason we are, we, we, some of us are struggling to do the things we need to do for God? Is it possible because we have not allowed grace to do a work in us? <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says that, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do. Of his. So he says that, I labored, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. is the grace that he said, for it is God who works in you. That is the grace. So, I've spoken so much about, about how you have to put to work, you have to rise up, and you have to do something, you have to do something, you have to do something, but you have to always remember, this I have to do. You have to put your eyes on the grace, that by the grace of God, I will do it. By the grace of God, I'm going to take a step. Grace, oh, 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 I like this. Grace comes upon you, and you have to be, 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 be determined to rise up and do something. But as soon as you rise up, grace takes over. Grace takes over, even though you are the one who goes through the suffering. For you to be able to suffer for God is God's grace. Why is it that others are not suffering for God? But you. Why is it that others are not able to do it? But you. So he says, I've been able to attain my uh, PhD, yet not I, but grace. I've been able to raise my children very well, yet Oh, I can't hear you. I've been able to buy a new car. I've been able to buy a house. I've been able to win seven souls to Jesus. I've been able to come for all the prayer meetings. I've been able to be fasting for some time now. I've been able to be reading my Bible consistently. I've been able to cut off from all kinds of bad things. I've been able to switch on the television and Facebook to focus on God. I've been able to pay my give my tithe consistently. I've been able to give to others who I need. I've been able to be consistent in church and humbly serving. Everything we do in God, you must understand that yet, even though it's you, yet not me. It's, you see me doing it, yet not me. You see me going, yet not me. But what? Grace, show grace. Show grace. Show grace. Oh, Jesus. Watch this. So, I became apostle by grace. And my being apostle is through labor. Right, so first of all, God gave me grace with all other people. And my type of apostle is higher than all of them by grace. But the grace that gave me to become apostle, the same grace came upon them. But I was higher than them because I labored more than them. And he said, even the more labor I put in than them, still not I by grace. Not I by grace. Three ways to tap into grace. Number one, it takes faith. It takes faith. Say faith. faith. Number two. But gives grace toward the humble. Humility plays itself in three ways. One, it plays itself by giving the credit to God. That shows you are humble. 
When people are applauding you, you are feeling good about yourself. Please be quick, sister, brother, be quick to say this is because of God. Be quick to give God praise, the praise and the glory and the honor. Be quick to give God the praise and the glory and the honor. What did I say? The praise and the glory. It's a reflection of humility, humility of heart. Someone said this, and I like it so much. He said, defect in humility is obituary of grace. (laughs) Lack of humility clears grace from our table. Humility. And I'm I'm not talking about um, just everybody walking over you, taking you for granted. That's That's not humility. I'm not talking about dressing and looking so morose, looking so sorry, looking so sad, and everybody who sees you are sorry for you. No, that's not, that's not the humility I'm talking about. I'm talking about the humility that redirects the, the praise that comes to you to God. When we come to church and it's time for praising, that's when someone is still in their pockets. I mean, nowadays I can't do these things, you know. If you can't dance in church for God, but you can dance in a party, you have a problem. Your heart is not really grateful to God. Mm. There are people like that. When you see them in a party, hey! There are all kinds of dancings. When we come to church, every praise to our God. And you see someone dancing in front, and you look at them like, what's wrong with this lady? What's wrong with this man? No, you are wrong. Something wrong with you. You are a PhD holder. Direct all the credit to God. Don't bring it to church. Some people are not ready to, for millionaire status because if they have 100,000 or 50,000 pounds in their account, they can't come to church. I'll tell you. You can't come to church. What's the pastor to be talking about? I, I, I can't join the ushers. When I come to church, ushers, we will tell, as soon as they enter, you will tell that they have some money because they are shoe. They have to make sure that you see the brand of the shoe. They have to walk in a certain way so that you can tell that they have come. And when they come, they sit down, cross their legs. When they say, someone shout hallelujah, they say, no, no, this is not my level now. And you, it's in some people's hearts now. But you haven't gotten it, so you don't know. You, you better kill that thing now so that God can lift you. Listen, when you come to church, whoever stands in front here is representing the leadership of the church, which is representing God. So if they give instructions, just lift up your hand. Put them, tell, oh, I am a CEO. I am this one, I am this one. Do you eat your CEO-ness? I am this one. No, put that aside. There are many CEOs who are dying. There are many top surgeons who are very sick. You understand what I'm saying? So when it comes to God's house, no. So sometimes you may be a leader on the market, in the market, but a, the lowest of the ranking may be a leader in the church you are yourself and just serve God. It's a statement to God that God, I know you are my maker. I'm not, I didn't make myself. You are my maker. These things go far. It determines how far God can take us. Humble yourself. Bible says God, James chapter 4 verse 6, God gives grace to the humble. Don't you know me? I'm a very top accountant. I'm a top lawyer. I'm a police officer, so you, you come to church. Keep wearing your, wear your hat and then come. 
Oh, you can't. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. Amen. So humility, you have to um, direct the credit to God. And then um, number two of humility, submit. Submission. Okay. Submission. We must understand that God has put certain people in place. When Paul met Jesus physically, he said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He said, go to Damascus. You'll be told what to do. There are people already on ground who God has anointed and ordained to lead. If, see, I don't know why people could be in a church and they can't submit to the leadership of the church. It's a sign of pride. There are people who come here, they can't stay. I know. Some people I see that I know they can't stay here. Because they are too powerful for themselves. They can't stay. They can't stay. Some of them, you meet the person and introduce yourself. Oh, my name is um, Bishop Jackson Ray. <laughs> Me, I'm an apostle. I can't sit under the ministry of a pastor. Mm. <laughs> so where, where, where do you belong? Mm. Where do you belong? It takes pastors to, to take care of a church. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I am a prophet. So I don't belong to any church. I wait for invitation. <laughs> they make the grace of God in vain. In vain. Because people can labor with humility for grace to be increased. Submission. Say submission. submission. It's very important. So these three ways to, uh, to tap into grace. Number one, faith. Number two, service. And number three, humility. And this season is a season of grace. Someone is contacting something great. And I prophesy over your life that you will not miss your portion. I prophesy over your life that you will not miss your portion. I prophesy over your life that you will not miss your portion. Whatever God has placed on this house, I stand here as the servant of this assignment and I prophesy over your life that it will find an expression in your life. Grace is making you. Grace is coming over your life. Grace is lifting you. Grace is changing your story. Grace is turning your situation around in the name of Jesus. That grace has come in your family life. That grace has come in your health. That grace has come in your career. That grace has come in your ministry. That grace has come in the name of Jesus Christ. The grace that makes men. The grace that makes women. The grace that changes situations. I prophesy over your life. The grace that makes one labor hard. The grace that makes one labor for Jesus. The grace comes upon us now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.